This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, it's me and my only friends, which includes, but is not limited to, the reason why we are late today, Dr. Poopito! I begged and I begged. Poopito. Please don't start the show like this. Do you know? Well, I mean, you walked up the stairs and said, nobody go downstairs. Stop. What do you want from us? Yeah, you know who Look, we are. I, I might we asked you if it was smell or you clogged it. You said clogged, so I, we're, we, we had to do what we had to do, man. It was also the fastest poop I've probably taken in the last <laughs> 10 years. And of course, the bathroom decides to like, it just fallen just out if it clogs. Go nuts. The Sorry, uh, chat. I know that's not the way you guys we'll wanted to start the show today. You know, Hope everybody's awake. Uh, as, as somebody who's been maybe wrongfully accused possibly gaslit for potentially having clogged the this toilet before gaslighting. oh is this reverse gaslighting yeah. or is this a man who just took a picture of his own shit and then got it on <laughs> poop court knowing that you guys would attack me wow that didn't happen. oh no that didn't because happen because you wouldn't say maybe before because I you am trying be, to toe be. the line of, of truth and honesty, and I truly don't know how the shit got in the toilet, but I do okay, know. percent chance it was yours. 20. Oh, uh, no way. I'll take the over on that. Yeah, yeah of course, of course you fucking will. I bet <laughs> you will. <laughs> what we do know is it's 100% chance that it was either Berkey or Guapo. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that I think is very strong. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> uh, dun, dun, dun. Uh, honestly, I think 20 is even a little bit high. We won't get back into the, to the, to the details of it all. But <laughs> as I said in poop court, I had already shit downstairs. So I don't think I double dipped. But hey. Stranger things have happened. It's a lot of work. Isn't that right, Guapo? Yes, sir. Yeah, stranger things. <laughs> <laughs> Just, as long as I get my check, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't worry. The, the burrito's in the mail. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's Another one. I think him and Landon have been going to the same meetings. <laughs> <laughs> this is your bit, man. <laughs> Just send him a plunger. <laughs> I upgraded you from tortillas. You should be happy. Thank you. Uh, all right, we're, we're off to a great fucking start you today. Sh you should be happy. Aren't you happy? Yeah, aren't you happy? Landon's happy. Yes, Landon shipped happy. another tournament yesterday. He did. Ooh, good job. Thank you, Billie Jean King. Rose on heat. He's, he's in the fucking cosmos right now. Look at him. Yeah, you gotta, he's, I'm chilling. <laughs> all right. Those uh, pants. Look, the pants need to get give, give the man his flowers You first. can wear those pants every day you win a tournament, so you're good today. Okay. So everybody give the man his flowers. Good job, he won, Landon. He won the 250. Uh, looks that's, like it overlaid. That's like 10x from your last tournament you won. I know. <laughs> 9x maybe. 30% yeah. of the that first. That's strong. means the next one will be 75k. That's what it it didn't actually overlay because I saw the rebuys and it seemed like, I mean, unless it did. It was definitely, can too math. When you, when, you see, when you see the payouts all perfect like that, then yeah. you know it's an yeah. overlay. Well, yeah, if you go overlay. back, if you go back yeah. to the graphic. Even numbers. If you go back to the graphic and you see in the prize pool, you see top right prize pool 25k. <laughs> Well, it's a 25k guaranteed. It's most likely going to be an overlay. There was 107 yeah. buy-ins, so it overlaid by like 400 bucks or something. Yeah, something small. Hey, rake back, rake back. Yeah, we'll take it. 
Um, okay. The one I won yesterday overlay too. So I guess I can only win tournaments with overlay. I can only win when I have extra money. Okay, so now that we've gotten your flowers out of the way, thanks. Because you, champions deserve their. What's the, uh, quote? the quote is, what is it? Champions keep, keep playing, playing until they get it right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Thank you, Billie Jean King Thank from you. Melissa Schubert. Thank you, BJK. <laughs> <laughs> you got to print it out and put it on your yeah, wall. Yeah, you got to have it as like the vision board. <laughs> yeah. Did you, you say BJ right. King? BJK. BJK. No, he said BJ King. <laughs> BJK. Wait, BJK. Who's, the, who's the BJ King? Billie <laughs> Jean. BJ King. BJ King. Okay, uh, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's uh, let's have a little intervention for these pants. Pants are pretty sick. I think it's time we have a bit of an intervention. Oh, what's happening? Well, we we talked wash. about this this morning in the in the kitchen, and uh, I I think we need to talk about it here. Is it acceptable to wear the same pants every single day? I, I like the pants, but it's a bit much. Yeah, do it often. What? Yeah, but I don't. I wear them around the house, so. Yeah, yeah. I'm and you saying don't when sweat in them. When you're doing well. a podcast. <laughs> when, when is Melissa not sweating, really? Yesterday was Wash Your Monkey Monday. So, <laughs> so today is clean. <laughs> right. We clean today. Well, well, here's the thing. So, like, these, these pants I have on, I wear these all the time. But they're just black they're pants. Black. Right. Yeah. We would never know. You notice. would never know. I, I said Something the same like thing, that. Brian. Yeah. I said the same thing. I said you, can't have, you can't have it both ways where you are both lazy mm -hmm. and you're peacocking right right Your daily exactly. drivers have to be neutral yeah right i Otherwise, wear i wear darks know. i wear grays that way i can just wear the same thing all the time right. and nobody's the wiser exactly steve jobs uh technique he's smart right got time to fucking shut up about what, you, what you're telling me is Shout i just have to, to buy christian soto for my uh my swag today. yep oh nice thanks yeah, christian he's never getting that one back yep. uh so Wait, did he put that in his will well he died yeah <laughs> that was, he can't that's, get it that's what he bequeathed <laughs> yeah. to uh guapo thank you sir yeah very generous um so where are we Our at where are we at on these cosmo pants because i i mean what it's if like he, what if he just has 20 pairs and you don't know well, I mean, I don't think that changes the judgment here. <laughs> you know, it's still... I was saying, I can just get five of them. It's still him so wearing... they're clean enough. What, uh, is it a clean thing at this point? I thought that was what the... The issue was. Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm, I don't care. Or is it a visual thing? I, I mean, I hate the pants, personally. But they're not shorts, so I appreciate that aspect of them. You know what they remind me of? Like, um, those guys, like, wooks with dreadlocks that go to, like, Mm. Disco biscuits concerts and do ketamine, and right. they wear those like Sick baggy. Pants. You basically just described Cure in a they, nutshell. They stink like patchouli. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like what? Who wears those? You're, you're giving off patchouli vibes. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Patchouli vibes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I, for one, think that you know, as a man who cares about his hygiene, he should probably want to be wearing different pants every day. And uh, this is at least four episodes in a row that he's worn them. I think six out of the last seven. If he, if he, didn't, he didn't wear them on Tuesday and Thursday last week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. okay. So and then he wore them yesterday. Conrad's keeping a log. Well, Conrad has a <laughs> spreadsheet. I, I just started making a log we got, now. We got a pants log. Oh, here we go. Yeah, those okay. pants are sick. He right. No, they're cool. not. <laughs> he doesn't wear those them every day. Those pants are only sick for that dude. Wow, Mark Wahlberg is stubby. Yeah, but those pants are sick. Stubby. Oh, those oh. pants are way nicer than your pants, by the yeah. way. They're the same. All the same idea. That is such a left. great shot. <laughs> and it really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to give him some Zumbas. Mm. Get him some Buffalo Bill Zumbas. That guy's wings. Those pants yeah, are sick, too. Those lats. <laughs> those pecs are sick. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, so I guess the pants are passing. The pants are passing. Uh, whatever. I, I'm a little disappointed, but 
three out of five days, well, I'll they, get the other ones. Yeah, I mean, he's he's giving patchouli. But like, vibes. I do wear them. Over, I, I wash them over the weekend. I like the pants overall. <laughs> <laughs> he I'm just admitted not to wash only them. Only on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, I wash them when I need to. So it's you like wore Monday, Wednesday, Friday without washing them at all, and I'm then bro, you wash them. Don't over act the weekend. like as if you don't fucking do the same thing with I mean, the robe. You know, yeah, I don't. I mean, the robe is in the house. Yeah. To be fair, Conrad does have like. Eighty-seven laundry loads in the in the laundry room in the closet, and that that's that's only a closet. I I haven't washed clothes for eight years. Because Michelle, (laughs) (laughs) mostly shocked. I need a girlfriend. (laughs) I bet you have a I bet you have a main event buy-in in that closet that I can get for you. Uh, more than more that, more than that for oh, sure. He has that just in Yeezys. Broken in, yeah. the, in the fucking hundred k. Repo, like repo bros about to come in there. Yeah, <laughs> I got like four he's gonna come home one day and just be like stone locked out, and Guapo and I are gonna be in there. Like, Did you guys have the same shoe size? No, no, but uh, Guapo R. has R. an eBay business, so it's okay. Oh. I'm just gonna take eighty percent. All right, pay. Everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah. Fine. <laughs> tab, don't tab don't tab a good time. Yeah. Don't threaten me with a good time. All right. Uh, we got a lot on the docket today. Uh, a lot of poker stuff, actually. Very, very strange day for that. Um, Fedor made an announcement today about uh, his first step in the GG security. There's also uh, a thread that I want to discuss um, from Ben CB, as well as one that I put out that was inspired by the game I was playing last night. But before we get to all of that, let's... Uh, Let's deal with who's in the muck today. Who Who is in the muck today? Nobody. Okay, so we are back in the muck. Maybe I'm in the muck. I don't know what's going on, but I got a, uh, I got a hand from a friend of mine. Good old Zeus oh, playing. Oh, Zeus submission. Zeus submission okay. playing two uh, five down at uh, Caesars. It's a thousand dollar cap, so two hundred big blind game. Um, and let's take a look at the hand. Yep, it's a very fun hand. Here we go. Okay, uh, so folds to um, what we call a fun player, very very loose action player in the cutoff who's playing a lot of hands. He makes it 20. Zeus comes in for the three bet to 100 with two black nines. Uh, cutoff calls. Get a flop of seven of hearts, seven of clubs, six of clubs. Zeus elects to check. Cutoff bets half pot, 100. Zeus calls. Boo. Turn three. Lucky. Zeus checks. Again, now we go half pot again from the cutoff for 200. Zeus elects the call again. What's I'm getting scared. River is a 10 of diamonds. Zeus checks again. Fun player, all in for about uh, th- three quarters call. pot. Zeus, call. Sure. Zeus wins the hand when uh, the fun player rolls over the five, six of diamonds. Ooh, okay. Rolled over to five six of diamonds. So Zeus said he rolled it over like it was the nuts. Mm. Basically, he mm. he wasn't sure if the player was bluffing. He thinks he was calling. East King. I I don't know, but he said he said the way he turned his hand over, it made it seem like he thought five six was the best. Yeah. Hand. I mean, do he spread the? Five, he was for um, sure betting flop so, and turn for value. So so when Zeus sent me this hand, <laughs> you know, I I said my immediate response was like, hmm, like I I think like with, with like a board like that. 
you know, you're going to have, you're going to have nines, tens, jacks, hands that want protection. Yep. So I, I think like betting the flop or you know, maybe check raising is fine, but like, I like, I like betting the flop and then, um, probably continuing from there. But, uh, he elected to check. He, so he basically was saying that like in these spots, he, he knows this player is very loose and is most likely just going to pull off a lot when checked to like mm-hmm. he's a, he's a, he's a player that once shown weakness attacks, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so he thought I'm going to max exploit this guy. This is what his weaknesses are. So I'm, I'm going to do that. Now, I don't know if there's better hands to choose to do that or All not. Right, so here's, here's my perspective. So we have mm-hmm. two black nines on seven, seven, six, two clubs. Correct. I, I, I think this is a fun hand to dissect because you really do have all options available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by that is that you're going to play a mix of bets and checks on the flop. Right. And uh, some of the hands that are happy to check will be over pairs with a club because those hands can happily be a part of your check raise range. They also do a pretty good job of bluff catching. So like aces with a club would be a pretty good three street bluff catcher. Nines with the club, pretty shitty three street bluff catcher. And I think that's the biggest area where I disagree with Andy in this in this spot is that, and I agree with you, Brian, nines just require a massive amount of protection. Mm-hmm. Like if this guy's going to triple off with king queen, yeah, that's not exactly too a, much equity. Yeah. yeah, it's not really. Well, it's not even that he has too much equity. He just has like too much opportunity to just like you spike blow us off of it. Yeah. yeah. It's just like there, there aren't a lot of the the three deuce runouts that or the three ten runouts that he happened to get here mm-hmm. that are really beneficial for us and so for that reason like categorically uh from our worst overpair to our best i would be check raising at a greater frequency to a lower frequency like i would just be much more willing to trap with our queens kings and aces than i would with our nines tens and jacks so that that's kind of what my thought was i do like the notion of checking uh, to check raise when we have a club, I think, mm-hmm. and then checking to check call, uh, or just betting ourselves when we don't have a club. I think either one of those are fine. Not having a club when we take the check call line with nines is a little bit better as well. Uh, just in the sense that you it's going to give him have more clubs, yeah. but it's problematic, obviously, because we're going to struggle to realize on on a club, club turn. Turn, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that this is like a really interesting spot and one that. Uh, for what it's worth, I think the to to pull out the the kind of like global strategy that Andy mm-hmm. has in mind here, I think he's very right. So he he did say, um, you know, he said uh, the nine hand the nine nine hand was uh, it felt awkward. He said it kind of illustrated some points for him. He said checking more in general in general, uh, especially on out of position flops. Uh, he said. Uh, I've I've liked what I've been doing, what that's been doing for me overall, just being able to check out a position, right. I think. Um, and he also said that he's not sure of the check raise spots. So like, mm. so maybe that's why he didn't check raise his hand because he wasn't he, he wasn't quite sure of the hands he should be check raising. He, he can basically he can build a check raising range basically mm-hmm. off of the entire three bet range that possesses a club. So he could check raise ace king with a club, ace queen with a club, uh, ace jack, king mm-hmm. queen, uh, queen. As long as he has a club is or that two because, clubs, is that because when the club comes on the turn, you're you're you able get the to barrel. Con- continue? Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, and it also just allows you to realize equity, right? Like when the mm-hmm. club comes on the turn, we're not betting large because right. it's not a polar spot. Right. And you, you, you obviously have some, equ- like your equity doesn't, like when you have no club and the club comes, your equity goes way down. When a club comes and you have one, then it goes up. Yeah. And you also just like lose the barrelability, which is uh, shitty. But more importantly, I, I want to get back to this uh, overarching point that he kind of fell into. First of all, I think he mentioned something that's incredibly important here that everybody can take something away from and really lean into. He said how uncomfortable this spot was to check call three times, right? That's some of he, your... Mo- he didn't say that. No. Well, that's what you just read. Yeah. You literally just read that. Oh, you just that. said <laughs> he was uncomfortable. Oh, oh he, said, he said it felt awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. right. So it's like... He didn't say incredibly uncomfortable. He oh. was very comfortable calling <laughs> <laughs> I interpret awkward as uncomfortable. No, yeah. I think he just meant awkward as in like awkward and like, like he mm, thinks there might this be is a weird better. spot. Like, yeah, like awkward. Sounds like, pretty uncomfortable to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to agree. I, I don't Maybe know what incredibly. else. All right. My screenshot will be on thesaurus.com. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I, I, mean, I would interpret that as very uncomfortable because you have a pretty marginal hand <laughs> that you're now right putting now? in 200 big blinds with. That, oh, yeah. that would strike me as uncomfortable. This is a so, plus one. We're on the same page uh, here. Anyway, point is, is that that's some of your most profitable spots in poker, or some of the biggest, uh, some of the some of the spots that have the largest error propensity to them, are going to be the ones where you feel that awkwardness or the uncomfortable nature. And for Andy to lean into it and say like, yeah, this doesn't feel great because my hand is marginal and it's not going to hold up over two or three streets very well, but. I have a I have a strong enough finger on the pulse of how this guy plays that I don't care. If he's just too wide on all three barrels, then run out be damned, I'm just going to pay. And that really is leaning into that narrative of like just pay whenever you have a hand that shows down versus somebody who has way too many hands. The second thing that I think is worth taking away is he doesn't worry about protecting and, and you know when we get into the mechanics of this, I think we'll see that nines wants protection. He he did say, he goes, he goes, I'm kind of just very unconconcerned about protection in a lot of, a lot of these spots. This can be good and bad. He said, he thinks he's still working on this, but general, uh, I don't worry about in the lab. Yeah. But I I don't worry about it as much as, uh, others perceive. Right. uh, As I perceive others do. I mean, it just seems like he's trying to find, uh, the EV in checking notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when it goes way up because of the overbluff, right? And I, I think that that's really good. Right, uh, and I think this is very this this hand was very player dependent. Sure, sure. So mechanically speaking, we're going to see that there's going to be a preference in theory to protection here, mm-hmm. but practically speaking, uh, I think that it's reasonable to understand that you're against an opponent who's just going to uh, overaggress his entire range, and for that, you earn a- additional money through the calling line than you would if you blew him off quote unquote his low equity hands mm-hmm. right so if you do put in a flop check raise maybe he peels with a bad hand like ace five maybe he folds it i don't know but then when you shove turn he for sure folds it right so i have Go a ahead. question about exactly that so on this board uh with his exact holding isn't this a board that's not particularly great to use as a check raise because our opponent possesses more sevens uh doesn't matter it it just doesn't matter in these relatively low SPR spots. What are we looking at? Like four on the flop? Four and a half. Yeah. So it's just like you're going to get stacked versus seven anyway. Like if you have aces, kings, queens, jacks, even as low as nines, eights, whatever, um, your your mission isn't to not get stacked by a seven, right? Like, Is it safe to assume though, like before we pull it up on Wiz, that it's probably not going to check raise very often on this board? 
No, I disagree. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, it's going to bet a lot. Like, I don't... I'm talking about the actual check-raise line. Right, but what I'm saying is that, like, whether we're betting or check-raising, we're still aggressing at a pretty high frequency. Okay. So I, I would assume that, like, our betting frequency is going to be, like, 60, 65%, and our check <laughs> frequency will be, like, 35, 40. And then of that checking frequency, we're probably going to check-raise, like, 16 to... 17% of the time, maybe? Yeah, so pretty low. No, that's high. That's pretty high for a check Really? Rate. That's yeah. very high. You oh. think your flop check raise is higher than 15%? Most people's check <laughs> flop check raise is like... <laughs> most people's flop check raise is like Single seven. Single digits, for sure. Like, seven is high. Yeah. Well, it's, it's supposed like to be like 20-something, right? Like, it's supposed to be uh, 15% on average is yeah. good. Mm -hmm. 20 is going to be like wide, wide, like... Yeah. Uh, 20 is like a frequency for like paired board, yeah. right? Button, like button big one paired board. You want to check yeah, yeah, like four, four, seven. But like some like boards, that. you just don't have that many. Right. So when I see a whiz output that's check raising 15%, that's considered pretty that's high. That's pretty high. Okay. Yeah. And you're probably playing nobody that check raises 15%. Right. Yeah. But anyways. Some people are at zero. So something <laughs> to think about Close. in these spots, which is a little bit tougher because I'm not going to pretend to know what the villain bro is doing. Oh, wow. Is, is that I'm he's... Wrong. He's going to have yeah. 10s, 9s, jacks, queens in his calling range to the 3-bet pre. But if this guy 4-bets jacks plus, mm -hmm. then it gets a little bit different. I didn't node lock or touch any of the pre-flop yeah. stuff except for Andy's. So, like, okay, so, so like um, from Andy's perspective, he said this guy was literally playing every hand. Sure. Right. So he's playing every hand, like raising a ton, calling raise, like calling three bets. So like he's super, Caesar. super wide uh, going into this uh, flop. Right. So now it's an issue of like, I'm not necessarily going to try to look at what I think he's going to have because if someone's playing any two cards, I can just, I can paint the deck however I want to make paint. Yeah. It to all make it right. do is increase our aggression frequency. Right. Then like it'll be similar to the numbers I spotted. So mm -hmm. theoretically in this spot, we are still worried when we have a hand like nines because of the tens, jacks and queens present four in position. And the size you want to use is uh, like B67 or check. Point being, we're trying to target the broadways for in position that have to fold, such as like some offsuit uh, broadway that have a club, as well as some backdoor draws that uh, don't really feel too nice getting B67 into. And nines with a... Club is mostly going to go into the check node as it can bluff catch better, but the board state does change a lot <clears throat> to make the hand worth less. So now when we look at the over pairs that are a little bit better, we'll see that kings and queens are mostly the value driver where you do get called by jacks and under, but with nines, that's more so of an issue. Where if they have a seven, they have a seven, God bless, it's kind of over for you. But if you have nines, you don't want to run into that higher portion of range that is tens plus and two Broadway cards, sometimes with a club draw, sometimes with the backdoor heart draw, and then the board state might change on an overcard, which makes your life a little bit more miserable. To be clear, this is 2E, I'm pretty sure. So I, I think this is a no, geo-size trick. I mean, you mean 3E? Three, three, three. No. SPR is 4.5. Pot 250, stack 950. Yes. Oh, sorry. Pot I, 205. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, You're the, right. You're going to yeah. see by the all-in what SPR is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so can you yeah. explain that real quick, Landon? The SPR more. and the all-in percentage? Well, yeah, I mean, if you just see what the all-in is, like 463%, that's what the SPR is. That's 4x. 4.6, yeah. 4.6. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when it looks like when we're looking at how we want to function with our betting strategy as a whole, we want to be B67-ing with hands that have a lot of equity and generate some full equity sometimes with our bluffs, like Queen-Jack, Queen-10 are good ones. Jack-10 of clubs is a good one, as well as, like, front door flush draws. 
And then we're going to use some backdoor flush draws sometimes, like King Jack of Hearts a little bit, Ace Jack of Hearts a little bit. And then you're going to check to potentially play a check raise or check call, uh, depending on like the frequency. So when we check here and have a big bet on the flop, it seems like the imposition response, if our strategy is big bet or check, is mostly going to be small bet or check back. Because we're trying to say that if we do bet, we have a strong hand. When we check, our hand is our comprised of weaker ones. With the over pairs, which ones are more prevalent to check with or without a club? So it looks like here, when it comes to specific combos, uh, it's hard to really gauge. Like tens, uh, tens with a club heart likes checking because it blocks all the backdoor stuff. Well, it's specific. Jacks. It's specific. It's the hearts aren't betting. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to have a heart. You want your opponent to have a heart more right. often than so, not. So the heart combos are the ones that are doing most of the checking. If you're not using them for value, where like queens and kings... Mm -hmm. It's uh, the inverse. It's kind of... The kings are kind of all over the place. Hands kind of just too good. But queens with a heart is mostly going to be bad. Queens now defers to the club to check. Same, yeah. Same thing with kings, I believe. Yeah, kings, kings is all over the board. Well, oh, and yeah. his specific hand wants to do what? Nines is mostly going to check. With a club? Yeah, nines no. of the club, you can kind of do whatever you want. Sometimes you can bet, get protection value. Mm -hmm. Checking is good too, as when you check call B25, you can see how the board is going to change oh, that's for interesting. or against you. Nines is different than tens. Nines defaults to being closer to a pure check with a club, uh, where tens is a pure check with a heart. What if you have the, so what must, if you have the club and the heart? It must be because... Nines, you check. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, it must be because once you start getting into tens, they have those Broadway combos. Uh, with the back door that you want to free up. Right. So, yeah, like Jack-10. Yeah, those Queen will 10. stab a lot. Yeah, so yeah. when we check, uh, in-position strategy is going to be a lot of small bets and checks, and we can see here they're stabbing a lot when they have, like, the Broadway cards, like Jack-10, uh, Queen-Jack, King-10, uh, hands along those lines, and everything's kind of mixing, except for 6-5, six, six, really. 6-5 pure checks, any <laughs> bet. Yeah, 6-5 yeah, is mostly going to check, as when you do bet... You put yourself in a tough spot if your opponent is playing a mm -hmm. check raising strategy. Right. As now you have this like no man's land hand where you have to peel, but the turns are really scary most of the time. And the only good card for you is a six or potentially a four. You also never get better to fold. Uh, and there isn't a whole lot worse that can call like outside over of like cards. over cards, but they're yeah. going to have decent High equity. equity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like five, four is a good one as you have a straight. And if you, don't, you have no showdown value, but six five. You kind of want to check and get the showdown and see how the board develops. It's also our only six. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, why would you want to blow up the pot at, like with that hand? Right. right. It's basically. like the weird. I want to get protection for my hand, but at mm -hmm. the same time, it's not doing what you want it to mm -hmm. do. As the hand you're trying to protect from will just peel. Right. Yep. But see, like this is the, and this is another reason why Andy went into. I'm going to check here because he knows this guy's going to barrel too often with. Probably hands that he shouldn't. Right. So yeah, I wonder how often Andy finds the ace king, ace queen call because this is a line that I used to take a lot before I was a little bit more studied. I'd get the seven seven six board and I would just check call three with ace king high. It's kind of probably nice. It, it is. It serves really well, but I would I would like always just check call with ace king so high. It, like I would of, never bet it. It's kind of funny because like when the guy rolled over his hand and Andy said he thought like I wasn't sure like he seemed like he just thought it was the nuts. Maybe he. You know, just put Andy on yeah. specifically Ace King. Once Andy three bet, and then checked, and then checked, and then mm -hmm. checked. Like he, this guy just says Ace King. I'm just gonna maybe he'll call. I'll blast off with my pair of fives on, on or pair of sixes on River. Like it's yeah, on yeah. River. It's misguided because mm -hmm. uh, Ace King should fold when the ten falls. Right, There's too much eight nine <laughs> yeah, in yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ironically, uh, if Andy was calling like range, he mm -hmm. probably would have called Ace King. Yeah, Potent potentially. Yeah. I it's mean, like this guy's playing too many hands. Of the hands that you would find the check call, check call, check fold with, though, like ace king, ace queen should be it. Mm -hmm. Sure. 
Um, and I guess suits don't really matter that much if the guy's playing too many hands because right. if he's not folding king ten off, blocking suited tens with ace king isn't going to matter. Correct. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when it looks like we're playing our check raising range, it's actually a lot higher than I thought, which is like twenty five percent. Oh wow, yeah. As like well, just, that makes sense because we're not c betting nearly as much anymore. So we have this concentration to over pairs. Yep, we have over pairs. We have high cards that can still check raise. We have some ace queen off yeah. flush draw bluffs. We have flush draw bluffs with ace eight suited, ace with five, ace four. King queen with king queen no backdoor actually. Um, I guess it's just you want to have some bluffs. I'm sorry about the offsuit variety. Yeah, offsuit you need to have a club. Club yeah. Yeah, this king of clubs too good. Not going to matter in this case. He's playing too many hands, yeah. but. Nines, you can kind of sort of mix protection and value if you want to raise, you can. But if you if this is the case, for the most part, if the turn is low, you're probably not going to double barrel it as check raise bet. Right, check raise check. Because if there's a low frequency that you're raising in the first place, yeah. you probably aren't going to take this one to the house as you're just going to see tens plus a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah, yeah. So Andy goes for call. Uh, I think the important part is, is if you check kings, this is the one you want to fast play as you unblock the ace X for the imposition player. Mm. Where if we do go for a raise... And he folds out some ace highs. That's pretty good for us, even though we have kings. Right. Pot's big enough as it is. We get ace jack with a backdoor to be indifferent, which is nice. Uh, so check raising is good. Turn was an uh, offsuit three. three. Offsuit three of spades. Three spades yeah. So we're not going to have any leads, I imagine. That kind of wouldn't make too much sense to me. Okay, cool. No leads. What size did the cutoff go? It went like half, half, half again. Half again, yeah. So now, at least on the turn, we can see that the cutoff can stack off roughly with 10s. As we've checked twice, we have a lot of high cards and probably just bet, get it in. This looks like 2E, I think. Yeah. 81? Yeah, it is. Um, <clears throat> I think he went 3E in this whole thing, or close to it in this whole thing. Oh, he went half, half, 75. Well, he, yeah. He went half on Pretty, flop? Yeah. yeah. If okay, it was four so to, if he was slightly one, more. Yeah, 4 to 1 is 50. It's almost like 60%, 60%, 60%. was like... 60%. Uh... uh I think it was 62 yeah 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 because because it was four to one it's 54 yeah, it was four and a half to one a little bit over like 4.6 oh cool one. uh so it looks like even though like he goes bigger on flop our raise frequency still stays the same uh the size that we raise is a little Just bit smaller. smaller yeah as they've chose big size so we don't need to raise big to get him to fold some nonsense garbage right or uh, to get the money in right so now at this point if he goes bigger nines actually raises more as you do want to get protection value and stack off with the club, as I imagine if we did raise and he piled, nines is kind of mad, but like, all right. Yeah, like nines with the club, you're just like, okay, I have what I have and yeah, I'm calling you. Like you call nines with the club, you fold tens, uh, you fold tens because you block uh, some bluffs with the 10 of clubs. Mm. So after bet call, turn three of spades. Once again, probably no leads. That wouldn't make sense. Do we check? And then the cutoff goes for 50%. So now the cutoff bets a lot of the time, and they bet the hands any protection value, like through over pairs. They also bluff with... Oh, this is interesting, actually. It looks like they bluff with their club flush draws and just call them off as they're good enough to bet call with the overcards to the board. Well, not all of them. You're, you're looking specifically nut flush draws. I bet King Jack doesn't. Well, King King Ten is betting. King Jack doesn't really exist. It, it oh, looks okay. like it just checks back. Yeah. But then like King Ten, you're mostly betting as you can get some like potentially some ace high back. Let's see if I look back here. Like ace ace high back doors to fold. Right. 
like ace jack of hearts just has to peel versus 50 ace king ace queen, ace queen yeah. really kind of mad about it but like all right if we don't bet it ourselves so they do like b50 b50 does well um yeah ace five you can just bet call off with the gutter and potentially like wreck them when they have some flush draws that check jam on you mm. so i would have never found these bluffs actually because it's just a matter of is this hand good enough to stack off and right. the answer is yes based off of going half on flop so the cutoff bets again for b50 and now andy i feel like he's wow i thought he wow. would jam here wow i guess it's just because we're too scared to run into it right and like nines it's like yeah we have no five four or very little anyway yeah, we have like almost no 5-4. Uh, our value hands are pretty static as like Jax is like right. Jax is like you can kind of get in because it's you're still gonna run into Queen sometimes, which is mm -hmm. fine. But then with nines, you're just risking too much getting called by tens and, mm -hmm. and things along those lines for two hundred big blinds deep. Uh, ace King is still mixing calls depending on suits. You don't want the ace of clubs because they're bluffing with the flush draws. Right. Uh, so the the Matt Berkey two thousand twelve line was Still reasonable. Still approved. <laughs> River is ten of spades. Ten of diamonds. Ten of diamonds. Boom, boom, boom. It goes to my brain when I load it. It's like so. Oh wow, lead all in is cool. That's pretty sick. So <clears throat> Andy mostly gonna play a check uh, for normal life purposes. I'm just gonna remove uh, the bets. Confirm. <laughs> We're just gonna check range on River, uh, and I guess it's just it was just. Forming out of range for king queen and then aces right. because they're going to check back a good amount. But as we can see here, a lot of check back like with queens. So we're leading because it's like, oh, fuck, like they can't bet queens anymore. Mm. But nobody in live poker or poker as a whole is probably going to find a check back with queens here. Right. Pretty Even soon. like rivered king 10 checking back. Right. You Eight. just have enough too much shutdown value. And if you bet, you're only getting called by better. Interesting that ace 10 chooses to bet when jackson queens check. It blocks aces. Mm. Um, that's fair it's kind of about it I imagine yeah and then like as you see here like 6-5 doesn't really exist in the range as it should check flop right but their range on the end is effectively their bluffs there's 7x and then queen jacks uh, majority of the bluffs right just you block queens you block jacks for the check call check call line and then you have to give up if you have clubs because you want your opponent to have clubs in their hand <laughs> at least uh, the middling ones so ace-10 is like the bottom value bet, and even this feels relatively thin. Depending so facing on the jam, suits. nines is probably going to fold. Facing jam in this spot, very ugly, but indifferent. Yeah. Because uh, it's kind of nice to have nines here versus jacks, depending on the suit, as like their bluff is coming from queen-jack. Yeah. So you don't actually want jacks in your hand. Right. And then like the Matt Berkey ace-king is kind of in there a little mm -hmm. bit too. And the, <laughs> in, in, in the, it, like in practice, in what's actually happening, the guy's range is probably much wider than what this is showing so right. then nines probably becomes even more of a call what, what happens or the big takeaway here the 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 larger point if you will that we can take from something like this is uh that whenever you follow andy's line throughout and you land on the river with hands that are now indifferent that were pure on the previous streets they're probably going to shift closer to pure right because <clears throat> this guy just gets here with too many hands he's over aggressing with hands that have no business betting and it's like well this hand was pure throughout two streets he didn't mm -hmm. suddenly become too narrow right so if that's true then even though in theory it would mix when we give too many hands to our opposition we just pay right, right? yeah this hand would go from zero to green just Ooh. pay just pay just just pay yeah i think you wanted a graphic there <laughs> no he already had it up i was i, I was mimicking it yeah um, okay good
Right. Does, yeah. so, so Andy gets the gets the green check mark. You can get a green check mark. All right. Go Andy. It's, a, it's actually a very courageous line, I think, by Andy. Um, because your hand is so so susceptible mm -hmm. to just getting outdrawn, yeah. and then you having to pay. Right. Uh, but like that's what he said. He's like, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about him making huge mistakes right. by overplaying his hands, and that's Wants what happened. Well, that's so. That's another thing to kind of speak on, though. It's like okay. He's right because this guy tripled off six five, right? right? So that that already acknowledges that Andy was correct in his assumptions. Mm -hmm. But the problem is he he becomes a little bit wrong if instead this guy just shows up with like Queen Jack, right? Because that's just kind of like okay, right? As long as it's not Queen Jack of Clubs mm -hmm. specifically. Now this guy is like actually tripling off with some pretty reasonable candidates, and that makes it a little bit tough whenever you fall into this middle to lower portion of your bluff catching range where it's like you're nowhere near the top you don't have a hand that certainly can't get outdrawn or just has to always pay type of thing uh, of course on this run out it will but like you know say the run out is just paint paint you're not really in a super comfortable situation so it is it is something to be mindful of uh and i'm gonna speak a bit to it on the take a beat segment today um but overall i think that this hand really does illuminate uh, a larger point of putting yourself into strategically uncomfortable spots that you force a level of comfort into, right? You acknowledge the moment of, well, it might be uncomfortable to take this line, but that line is making way more money than any alternative, more comfortable line that I could possibly take. Right. Yep. yep. This happens a lot when you're facing polar actions mm -hmm. where when you regress through a jam, it folds out the bluffs and you get called by better. Right, and and to take that one step further, you're facing polar actions from like a pretty mergy range, right? Now when you jam, all of that middle stuff that had no business betting this size to begin with just disappears, mm -hmm. and that's a problem. Uh, for those of you at home, if you'd like to submit your own in the muck, be sure to head over to our Discord channel. You can find that at OnlyFriendsPod. Nope, that's not true. You can find that at solve for ytv i swear to god we're gonna get this graphic changed or you can hit hashtag discord in the chat that'll give you the link as well uh we have a special forum there where you can submit your own hand histories that we'll eventually read on air also a uh, big announcement we have uh partnered to start our own dealer school and this is a pretty exciting endeavor uh we have an exciting announcement over the years, I've talked to a lot of players who have thought about dealing either as a side gig to help rebuild their own bankroll or gaining new perspective on the game, kind of seeing things from the lens of being in the box uh, or, you know, just shifting and getting out of the playing career and into a, a different career within the poker space. Uh, as players, we also know how important it is to have knowledge of the game and have an efficient dealer when you're playing. So we've actually partnered with Visionary Design and Development. This is led by Jill, our dealer from Poker Out Loud. If you've ever watched any of the episodes, you know that she's just the absolute best in the business that we've mm -hmm. come across. And we've decided to create an immersive poker dealer academy. This is going to run all through March. It's fully comprehensive training that transforms your basic poker knowledge into a skill set that you'll have that will allow you to deal like a pro in no time. This intensive three-day program is perfect for those who already know hand rankings and the difference between cash and tournament rules. Uh, our focus is going to be on two games, No Limit Hold'em and Pot Limit Omaha. 
You'll learn everything necessary to be a qualified candidate for this year's WSOP tryouts, which will be in early April. We'll even uh, help you secure a job successfully after completing the program. First session kicks off March 1st. It's here in the Solve for Why studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're offering a few different sessions, both morning and evening, to try to help uh, comply everybody's schedules uh, or accommodate everybody's schedules. You can just head to academy.solveforwide.io, click on the, what What do we have it? Well, it's right in the header. You'll see Dealer okay. Academy. That'll bring you to the page with all of the uh, info that you want. And then when you, at the bottom, there's a uh, link to click that'll take you to the uh, sign-up page and you can get yourself signed up. You can pick, um, so once you get to the sign-up page, you'll just, you'll click on date and time. And so you can choose which which date you want. Um, remember, these are this is a three day academy. So you'll, when you pick the date, you're, you're just picking the starting date. Right. But each each of these academies are are three days. Yeah. You can also hit hashtag dealer in the chat to get that link. Uh, also, big shout out to GTO Wizard for providing the materials for in the muck. Hit hashtag Wizard if you guys are looking to sign up for uh, your own account there and use the AI the way Young Tice does every day in the muck. Right. All right, uh, let's get to the shits. We got we got some stuff to talk. <laughs> let's get to the shit as if we did. Yeah, we already got. We opened with the shits. We, we didn't open Whoopi with the shit. Shut up, I will say Man. I admire your willingness to just be honest with a group that has no intention of keeping it a secret. No, I was trying to spare someone from going down. In the he, well, nobody was going to go down because uh, we have a show know, to do. Bro. We had a show. Right. Yeah, you could have just came up, yeah. just sat back down, not said a word. Right. I think you wanted it honestly. Yeah. That's why I think gave it down, he knows good comedy. Yeah, he, he, he wanted it. He really wanted it. He also knows that after the show, when one of us migrated our way into the bathroom, <laughs> exactly. it would have been a big deal. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It would have might maybe been Poopgate 2.0. I don't know. And done. Uh, all right. So we have a few big stories to talk about within the poker community today. First one being that Fedor made uh, his first announcement as security ambassador for GG. He put a tweet out today that says, I believe we all cherish poker in its purest form, mind versus mind. That's why my first security priority is the strict limitation in usage of mind data and MDA with HUDs. It's more than unfair. It's predatory. GG Poker will be stepping up enforcement against harmful third-party software. There's a lot of other big challenges ahead, but I think this is an important step in the right direction to ensure fair play online. What are your guys' initial thoughts regarding this tweet? I know we've talked a lot about MDA. We had a panel uh, on here with Chewy and Nick Howard, who runs Poker Detox and operates almost solely in the MDA space. If you guys are interested on their thoughts, you can go back and uh, check out that episode. But what's, uh, what's the general consensus here before I, I give my, my thoughts? I think the big question is how. I mean, Well, the how is they're going to eliminate or at least reduce the ability to use HUDs, and it sounds like... They already had reduced the ability to use HUDs. You can't use HUDs on GJ. You can, they have their own You can't HUD. use PT4? No, they have no. their own HUD. Well, no, you can. You can import hands into Poker Tracker. Oh, okay. So you can go to mm -hmm. their... Um, there's a way to... There's a website that you actually go to where you can import your hands. Is this right. going to be more uh, similar to how WSOP operates? That's because the way know, it sounds. Right. So, like, I know that you can't import hands. Yeah. You can't use any HUDs. You have to use, like, a scraper. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that's... I mean, that's a step in the right direction for sure. It definitely levels the playing field to a, a little bit because if you're 
if you're not if you're on there and you're not using a HUD and somebody else is, it's just a massive advantage. It's, I feel like most people use hand to note on GG, and I think there's like a big database of like the high stakes people that is like pretty commonly used on there. So that's probably what they're referring to. Well, uh, hand to note, I believe, is a similar thing as uh, PT4, yeah. just with far more layers yeah, for you, you to do analysis. Look at the heuristics, right? So it still comes down to the hand import feature, and it sounds like that's one of the big things that they're going to be restricting. Which, like Brian mentioned, would be uh, similar to what WSOP does. You can't get access to all of your hands. I don't think. I think you can get access to like a certain time frame of your hands. Yeah, but not in like a text file. Or Correct. Right, right. Yeah. It's it, it's like impossible to to up to import them into a. Right, and it also sounds like they're going to be very uh, vigilant against screen scrapers, third party uh, software, and things like that. Um, and on the surface, this all sounds really good, like it's a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, but my big takeaway from that panel that I did with Chewy and Nick is that. The issue with MDA is not necessarily how predatory it is, because that was my stance. I, I kind of echoed uh, Fedor's sentiment here is that, you know, it's just so predatory, not just on pool tendencies, but like when you weaponize it against a single individual, it becomes really bad. Yeah. And the higher up you go, the smaller the pool becomes and the more individualistic it becomes, right? There was a point where I think Upswing put out a course, how to beat the Baron or something along those lines. And it was just, you know, a few hundred thousand hands scraped from, uh, from, from Baron. And, it's like, yeah, there's a lot to learn there, of course, but you're also just like kind of weaponizing this data against a single individual. And we all pretty much landed on like, that's the point where you're ethically crossing the line mm -hmm. is when it's weaponized against individuals. But yeah, you're uh, like just dissecting one person's entire game and finding every single one of his leaks. Right, and, you basically and have a perfect counter. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but the larger takeaway is that, you know, largely, or for the most part, this is just unenforceable and impossible to police. And Chewy's stance kind of surprised me, but he was basically like, well, we should just open the floodgates instead of trying to put the genie back in the bottle because that's actually more fair to everybody than trying to create some sort of ethical subset of rules mm -hmm. that most people who want to break it are I, just going and this to. This is like what, what Gelfond's uh, site was trying to do when they when they were launching, right? Wasn't it like everybody had a HUD? Like it was just already built in? Well, GJ has that, that too. Okay, they have that too. Yeah, um, but that's that's not the bigger issue here because like what Hand and Node is capable of doing is like really drilling down into specific nodes in the game tree mm -hmm. and finding, uh, you know, population tendencies you where you're... You look at like specific lines. Okay, yeah, gotcha. That bet from small blind. Yeah, or like, you know, donk overbet frequency. You know, you can really get granular with it. Um, my problem with this messaging, and uh, I didn't really see anything in the thread about this, but I'm kind of surprised, is a lot of that data collection that is currently taking place, of course, it's being utilized to increase win rate as well. But a lot of it is being utilized to suss out cheating. And... Uh, I always took the stance with WSOP of like, I'm glad they don't give hand histories because uh, all it does is advance the, the entire pool faster. Mm -hmm. It just makes the regs better quicker. Mm -hmm. And it does allow this, you know, sort of MDA uh, type of approach where you're able to, to, to curate strategies specific to the pool. But the issue is, is that we can't now self-police. And I will say that I budged on my stance a little bit because after seeing the last 18 months of how much or I should say how critical the community policing itself has become, it, it becomes difficult for me to see how uh, disempowering us 
is a net positive for everybody, right? I mean, it's basically like Fedor getting into a position, and I know this isn't him. He's just, you know, an advisor in this instance, but for all intent and purposes, uh, intents and purposes, he is going to be the face of this, right? So we're going to be speaking directly to him, not just the GG. It puts him in a position where it's like, okay, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take away your ability to, uh, as a community, kind of like look into this peculiar activity. I don't know if we find Money Taker 6-9 without MDA. Yeah. Right? Mm. Also, what is the incentive for these big companies to like go after anything if there's no squeaky wheel? Correct. That, that's, that's a really great point. And, uh, you know, the, the big thing with Money Taker 6-9 was that they were able to run it through hand to note. They were able to compare it to uh, how the pool plays. They were able to compare it to GTO lines and all this other stuff. Most importantly, they were able to get a collection of 4,000 or 5,000 hands, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, run this through something, whether it's GTO wizard, hand to note, something that's going to spit out and say like, this is not human, right? I'm not sure how we go about that any longer. How do we find the RTAers? How do we find the botters if we've lost our ability to collect any level of, of data. And this is the real, the real touch and go thing because uh, maybe ultimately we don't see it just yet, but this is Fedor addressing our larger issues of botting, RTAing, and, and super using or whatever. But on the surface, it looks like he's ignoring the biggest problems and slapping a Band-Aid on something that may not be an issue at all. Yeah. <laughs> no? No thoughts? It's hard, it's hard to have a response to that one well that's pretty good <laughs> yeah. okay. i guess um that's pretty good yeah i i don't know <laughs> I, I i mean i understand that uh like wsop is never allowed huds and i think that that is probably fine but i do think that i mean not i i'm not sure I, wait a minute <laughs> he made the sound he did the you heard it yeah, yeah but, they did the landing, but I'm disagreeing with myself, not right. someone else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so I, it's only okay. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, you do it to interject, and I would love for you to interject here. I'm tired of listening to myself talk. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm kind of struggling to see how this is the big step forward. That I don't know if it's the biggest step forward, but it's something. Is it though? I think well, it might be they something. Can always go back if it's bad. If it's bad. I mean, there's how bad can to... it be? No, I mean. WSOP is pretty soft. Right, but it's a very, very small pool. Right, mm -hmm. small liquidity yeah. pool. Uh, there's, there's a lot less incentive to cheat it. And it's regulated, so they're also kind of like under the guise of, of Nevada gaming. Well, yeah, getting banned on WSOP means you get banned from live too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like they should, really, they should add, like if you get banned on GG, you should probably get banned from live right. too. Is that mm -hmm. true though? If you get banned from WSOP online, you get banned from it's, live. Too? It's it's a Venn diagram because I, I know for sure that if you get banned from WSOP New Jersey, yep. you do not get banned that, from live here. That's a sweeping statement. That's yeah. not true. It's it depends on the offense. Okay, you can be banned online and not banned live, but uh, square rectangle rectangle square. Right, but like you can't be banned live. I'm pretty sure you can't be banned live and not banned online. And then also the a lot of the people like the Venn diagram of the people banned online. And the people that are also banned live is pretty robust. It just seems very odd if GG is partnered like on the felt of WSOP events, and if you are banned from GG, you could still play a WSOP event. Yeah. Yes, I do agree. But they're still separate entities. Mm -hmm. They're partners. Yeah. They're yeah. not. They're not dual I ownership. It. I get it. It's just still kind of like I agree. Yeah. 
I mean, you would think they would share their blacklist with one mm -hmm. another. You know, if anybody. Like, they, like, this guy can't play here. Like, I, we don't want him at the event. Yeah, I have, yeah. A, I have a friend that was banned from basically multi-accounting, kind of, because right. he was in New Jersey and he had somebody else log into his account in, like, North Jersey or something like that. Yeah. and Or he was at Atlantic City, sorry. And he had somebody log in in North Jersey. That's not multi-accounting, that's... What, what would you call it? Uh, someone else so, logging in. Ghosting, I guess. <laughs> ghosting, like sure, letting someone else play. Yeah, so whatever. Um, and yeah, that's he was banned from WSOP New Jersey, but not from online here or live here. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah that, that is interesting. I would think that there was overlap between the security of online Jersey and online Nevada, yeah. but maybe not. Um, but yeah, the, the, the lower the infraction, the less likely you are to be banned live. Um, and honestly, uh, it'd be interesting. I wonder if like Panzica would ever speak on it. Maybe he's able to play online in spite of the fact that he's banned at the WSP live, but I would, I would, as a gambling man, yeah. I would bet he's banned on both. Ollie can still play live events, right? Yes, but not online as far as we know. I mean, he hasn't been on there in a couple of years, so it seems as though they proactively banned him online. I mean, he doesn't live here anymore either also. I think he lives in, like somewhere else. Yeah, that's fair. Texas. But it's been, I mean, it's been like since the story broke okay. that I think we saw him or Jake online. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, they are definitely still allowed to play WSP events live. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll be curious to hear more from Fedor. Um, to me, this story is like, if I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it definitely feels like a, a, a big red herring where it's like, hey, hey, look. We're doing stuff. Mm -hmm. I just think that nobody knows how to solve online cheating. So they're just right. trying shit. Yeah. Like, no, that's why I kind of don't have any input because, like, I don't fucking know how to. Just, the cat's out of the bag already. I just yeah. think online's going to die. I, I, I just don't really know how you fix here. it. It's already, like, dying. So I just don't really. I, I kind of agree. But do you, do, you, <laughs> do you agree that solving the issue of mda being weaponized almost has no corollary to rta and botting like it's not going to well, reduce rta or botting right to the to online dying but i don't know no no, no i agree with like, that sorry uh I, i'm trying to say like one doesn't solve the other yeah like mda has nothing to do that it does though um i i don't think so but it's almost like when the you way you were saying mda is it can be used to solve to it's like anti-cheat for us right yeah. because we, maybe we it balances out though because then other people are using it to target specific people right so. right right so it's a matter of like how much when i guess that's what it really distills down to is why i feel like this is kind of an empty statement is because if we look at how much win rate mda offers compared to how much win rate like rta or botting offers i would assume the or even colluding uh which is another big concern of ours in all online platforms i would assume all of those uh, individually offer significantly higher win rate than MDA does. Do you think this is just easier to fix? Yes. Okay. I, I think so this maybe is... Maybe they're starting so is, with this. And just then... looking for a start point to just say, hey, guys, we did this. Yeah. Yeah, like, I yeah I'm curious it's... to see what happens in the next in the upcoming months, right? right? Like, what's the next step, right? And what's the next step after that? If we don't hear anything for that's a couple months, the, then it's like... Mm. That's kind of the problem that I'm seeing is that this feels disconnected, that this doesn't lead to a solve in the other two, but it feels like it creates more problems with the other two, right? Like, right. it feels like a problem that is not a problem is being solved. Uh, and, and like you know look i was the one when i started the mda council or the 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 um panel, panel 
I was very hard in the camp of like, this is an issue, but it's because of the way it was presented. It was two people who were playing heads up and one person had their database weaponized against them. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, that's fucking bad. Yeah. But I don't think that's the majority of the way that MDA is being used. <laughs> that's not most of poker. Right. Especially when you start to go down in the pools, right? Mm -hmm. Like, sure, maybe that's happening at like uh, 20K NL heads up, right? Like maybe one of the, the top heads up players has a, a database on their opponent. And they're using it against them. For sure they do. Right. But it to be works fair, both ways. Right. To be fair, like they earned that database. They played against him. Right. It, it, it'd be, and you know, maybe Unless you could, they bought it. right. I was going to say, maybe you could <laughs> buy one. I'm unsure. Of like, course I don't, you can. You can buy all these things. There's a market for everything. I mean, this stuff is yeah, worth so you much can, money. Of you, course can buy you can buy it. You can buy it. Like, I remember for a friend showing me a Discord where it's like, yeah, you can buy hand histories from whoever you want for like 100 bucks. Right. Right. So that, that might be happening on the margins. But whenever you start to scale down in the pools, like say you get down to like 500 NL, it's going to be pretty difficult to like weaponize a database against a single individual, right? right? The pool's just too, too broad. You're going to get pool tendencies. And I think that there's a debate to be made that that's not that big of a deal, right? Like it's pool available tendency. to everybody. Everyone could be doing the exact same thing. Uh, you're curating your own unique strategy off of it. Like it's, it's just giving data and uh, utilizing it in a way or interpreting it in a way that is or is not beneficial to you. Right? I think like, that's valid in the sense of MDA stuff, like call it the detox strat, where yeah. it develops from MDA. In theory, everybody that was playing online poker could do what they did, but it does take a lot of work and time and energy. And then you can say, how great is it if someone does this work and then sells it to people for a price being right. the CFP? Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, everybody could do that work and try to do the same thing. And then pool wise, it would all just even well, out to zero. I think yeah. the, the point against it is that like recs aren't gonna go and buy databases. So it's kind of just creating a bigger divide. Yeah. Yeah. Recs are just getting fleeced. Yeah. And then the pool dries up fat way faster. Yeah. The regs are getting way better. The recs are not going to find those recent, like, where are they going to buy? I don't even know where to buy a database, like, you know, so I don't even know where a rec would begin or even they don't even know. They probably don't know that it exists. Probably you can too. even, so I don't know. It's I, like the weird, I think it's like a fine step. It's like the weird information access to information thing where like when it comes to recs wanting to get better or not get better, everyone has the ability to get wizard. Yeah, we're but, so immersed in it, like you forget like how little they even like. Some don't even know about wizard. Like, so right, they don't, like there's right, but, so many things that I don't know. I just I think I'm not sure that's representative of like the average rec though. Like especially online, uh, I would think the majority. Really I, I mean, even if it is though, right? Even if they do or don't know, it's more so about the ignorance to poker as a whole. Is what you're kind of saying is if you're playing recreationally, you're pushing you don't out. Know people that are like it's like slowly just going to be only people who know how to buy databases well i i think it's it's maybe one step below that but yeah i agree with you in the sense that uh the barrier of entry to sustain at all continues to rise yeah because now you need a freaking wizard account just to be competitive soon you're going to need a database too and then when then you're going to need RTA, everyone's going to be botting against each other. <laughs> right. But it's kind of always been that way, right? Like HUDs have existed for 20 years. So this, this argument isn't like really all that far removed of are, are HUDs fair? 
And, you know, very, very, very long ago, we declared that HUDs were fair and didn't care that the recs weren't going to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't, I, I yeah. understand this is well, a compounding thing. Raising, yeah. Yeah. But it comes now at the exchange of potentially letting RTA and uh, collusion and things of that nature run more rampant, which I would argue is costing the recs more money uh, than, than MDA ever could. Because like, if you think about MDA and like MTTs, for example, it's, it's useful but it's not that much more useful than just like studying, you know, which wrecks aren't going to do that either. So wrecks are always going to be at a pretty big disadvantage. It's just a matter of like pick your poison, I think. Um, but yeah, I'll be curious to see how this moves forward. Uh, hopefully we hear more from Fedor and the GG team. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how other sites like stars and party uh, kind of respond to this uh, sort of, I don't want to say behavior, but sort of precedent, if you will. Um, all right, a couple other things that uh, I want to discuss. This is this is more the meaty topic, although that that was that was a little bit meaty. We got a little little something from the the higher ups. Uh, I wanted to kind of get into since we're talking about recreationals and the barrier of entry type of stuff. Uh, I wanted to discuss this Ben C B thread that came out yesterday. Uh, I quote tweeted it and I said something to the effect of, you know, I I I, I don't hesitate to call out bad. Uh, advice that's targeting beginning struggling players so likewise i think it's important to uh highlight whenever good hard truths are put out there and i will say that like i don't always agree with ben's messaging uh um uh, sometimes he gets a little bit too grind culturey uh for me as well but uh i do appreciate the fact that he doesn't sugarcoat shit he doesn't try to create some like flowery language or try to pretend that like oh if you have an interest in poker you're going to be competitive and win like all you have to do is show up a bunch and and try it's like well we all know that that's not true this game's fucking hard and three thousand hours <laughs> yeah no big deal just, <laughs> just you just got to grind that negative one big blind per hundred yeah. one right Start with small you'll even out and you'll be down a million <laughs> right um so ben wrote 14 hard truths and uh i'm interested to hear like which of these do you guys feel like are the the most powerful tips or the most uh potent truths if you will uh i'll read through them really quickly and then just if if you want to pick like one or two that you think are uh most impactful we can discuss so number one you don't win because you're not lucky you don't win because you're not good real that one's that one's yeah that's why it's number one (laughs) (laughs) with a bullet statistics don't have a memory just because you've run bad for the last few weeks doesn't mean you will run better real nobody cares about your bad beat stories you don't deserve anything in poker. I think those two can go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, your feelings are not an excuse to play poorly. You can still play well while feeling angry. Face <laughs> is like jungle. I strongly disagree with that one, actually. It's harder. It's harder, too. <laughs> it might be impossible. Bro, take, a, <laughs> take a fucking walk, well, mate. Unless you're German. Yeah, that's... Take a day oh, that, off. There you go. There's yeah. the source. Yeah, the, the yeah. Only, well, the only difference between playing angry is like you're just going to high roll everything. Right. Yeah. Every three-bet combo is pure. Every bluff is pure. Yeah, Sven, Sven's, uh, Sven's randomizer got broken. It's right. just 50 plus now. <laughs> I see it all the time, man. Like someone loses a hand instantly and like next hand, bang, three bet. Yeah. Yep. It's like with a combo that does three bet, but they didn't fucking roll for it. Right, right. Yeah. It's no, that's that's me for sure. Uh, you're not special. You need bankroll management as much as others. Hoorah. Uh, you are the fish if you don't know how to exploit your opponents at your table. Uh, let's see. Number eight, winning at poker is not cool. It doesn't require any fancy lines. <laughs> Solid, simple, and patience will win in the long term. 
Number nine, worrying about poker players winnings or financial situations and engaging in drama is the ultimate loser oh. behavior. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I actually like this thread a lot. He bang bangs. Uh, number 10, what matters is making the correct plays at a real poker table and real opponents not solve or approve plays. I, I think that needs to be elaborated on quite a bit. I mean, he's just going for understood. the clickbait, but I get it. Yeah, I get it. At least he buried it. Uh, <laughs> it's number 10. It's number right. 10. Number 11, early mid-game in tournaments uh, in poker tournaments is quite boring. Max. You play tight and patient. In late game, you can turn into a psycho going after scared and weak opponents. I like how can is in parentheses. Like, you have the option, but you also don't have to do yeah, that. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> tight is right works in MTTs. But you can. Uh, number 12, big ego in poker equals broke. <laughs> <laughs> number 13, moving down in stakes is a superpower. It's also, uh, it's also luxury. I would say that for most, this doesn't even exist if you're if, if you're, you're stuck losing, in one three you yeah, can't if you're go. losing one three player there's nowhere to go yeah if you're uh, also if you're losing 100 200 player uh the next step down is like 10 20 and it might be a tougher game um 10 20 40 on most days it depends um <laughs> there's a there's a lot of other games in the middle right no no 25 no really like there isn't really like public quarter 50 or yeah literally none quarter 50 is like such a foreign stake live yeah i feel like i never see it it, when it runs, it's quarter fifty, a hundred, and anybody with half a brain says, "Let's yeah. get the twenty-five dollar chip but off I, the table." I think, I think, like uh, this is that's good advice <laughs> for for like uh, the mid stakes or upper to mid stakes, right? If you're playing ten twenty, and the game's pretty five bad, ten. like go play five ten if the yep. game's good, right? Yeah. If you're yep. playing five ten and and it's just a bunch of wrecks, but the two five looks good, go play the two that's, five. That's that's, that's where it gets five tough. To ten twenty or for online. Players. online if, for if sure online for sure and <laughs> mtt players for sure if you're losing at your 1100 average buy-in start playing 400s start mm -hmm. grinding the 500s uh i think it's very difficult jumping from 510 to 25 I mean, because it's such a big jump from two five to five ten. Correct, and right. the inverse well, also is very felt. But now right. they've added in uh, at least here they've added in that like five ten three k cap a lot of places. That's right. true. Right. That is true. Right. You you have the option to play a myriad mm -hmm. of five tens from yeah. uncapped all the way down I, I, to like two k. I feel 2K. like the yeah the the way they've restructured all the uh, the buy ins and the different games here in in Vegas. It it there's a pathway now mm -hmm. to like to move up. Like Venetian has like a, they have a two four game. Really? Yeah, yeah they have a two. Max. It's two, two, four, twelve hundred max. I think that's so right. Kind of weird. Yeah. I hate it. No, it's, it's, like it's a, it, but it, it, it's good. It's good for like for different options, different things. People can move up. I think live. Go. I think they have one, three, two, four, and two, five. And then, but there's yeah. I think they have. Um, I think it's. I think it's five, five. Oh, yeah. I, I think the, it, I think mm, the problem. Sure. I think Maybe the problem live is that you want separation by chip color. Like games are bad when you have a white chip game that's played at a red chip stake, mm. right? Like basically my point being is like, you don't want to play two five where uh, the majority of people are buying in for white chips and that's what two four becomes, right? It's like now- What the fuck is a white chip? A, a dollar one, chip. No, nobody's buying into those games. I play two three and nobody, there's no, there's no $1 chips on the table. How? There's no one dollar chips. It's all it's all green. It's all green and red. And everybody the two, else is the, the two three games all green and red. Green being twenty five dollars. Who the hell buys in stacks of dollar chips? Well, well, I mean, just like short buying. Don't you have to play the blinds? Yes, and, and people have like literally yeah, like less than ten dollars of of uh their brown chips okay. at the jewel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's when they're. I mean, just generally right. speaking, throughout the the course of cash history, mm -hmm. you always want 
to anytime that you can make the lowest denomination chip the next one up you want right. to do that right like venetian 510 was always way better than every other game in town because it was ten dollars right no I, I agree i agree with that I, yeah. I know what you're saying but um yeah like i i just think that like now i think like these one dollar chips don't really exist in in the games except for maybe some one two right um but like uh, yeah, I just think it's it's nice to have different. You, you can go all over town and you can find uh, a deep stacked two three game. You can yeah. find a short stack deep. Yeah, two, yeah. You know, and and up and up you go. So I, you I have different agree. options. I do agree at the up. lowest levels mm-hmm. through like call it the one k cap two five 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 whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I, I or even like the fifteen hundred at the win. I yeah. think that there's a real smorgasbord of opportunity there mm-hmm. depending on where you're at in your bankroll like yeah i really think that like what ben's advice here is of being able to step down at stakes as a superpower like oftentimes it's just changing venue right and just playing a lower cap game now as opposed to the 1500 cap at the win or whatever and there's so much game selection there right but i think once you graduate out of the 1500 cap into like 2k cap plus the game selection is almost nil right and it's a big jump to go yeah. from like 2k cap to 1k cap i guess mm-hmm. your form of uh moving down could just be selling more yeah 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 uh assuming that you're beating the game or that the game it's isn't too risk tough management yeah like it, that is a big part it, of it is kind of confusing like when he says moving down uh in stakes is a superpower does he mean moving down because of your bankroll situation or does he move mean moving down because of game selection right. so i i in the past two different things well in the past we would have said we would have said that it's competition. Right. Because there was such a big disparity between like the lowest stakes and the next stake up and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But now I think you have pros at all levels. I think you have pro 25 cent, 50 cent grinders. I think you have yeah. pro like five cent, 10 cent grinders, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe the, the caliber isn't the same, but it's not going to be so, so great that like you go from a very small win rate at like 500 NL to like having 10x that win rate at 200 an hour mm-hmm. even 100 an hour right mm-hmm. it's it's probably Especially pretty gradual rake, like, yeah in. so it probably almost certainly is a bankroll consideration uh or even a confidence thing like sometimes it's just good to go down and play smaller and play a little wiffle ball mm-hmm. or what feels like or wiffle like ball stake wise new stuff that you've learned or- yeah or even executing on things that you might be afraid to pull the trigger on at, at the higher cost mm-hmm. uh I, I think all of that is is worth a lot that actually might be one of the more powerful of the 14. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's something that I haven't done much of. Yeah. Like moving down just as a way to get some more like confident reps in. That's right. what I was going to say is reps. That's how I look at it. I, just putting in reps. Well, so you guys have an advantage that none of us ever had. We had to do this for money, but like you can get in a lot of reps versus the trainer. Yeah. And And yeah, that's not your environment, but like it's better almost mm. you know you get battle tested versus the fucking best in the world right. literally yeah uh which is a really fascinating way to go about it because you're obviously not being paid to pay the, play the trainer but man imagine you know people who are dedicated to that sort of craft they have to come out of it more confidently mm-hmm. you know you're executing like 88 90 percent against the trainer yeah, but i think it, if you're playing low six cash like experience in the pool is worth so much agreed I do agree with I that. Mean, it's just worth like so much. Like, I think, yeah, you could be really good at the trainer, but I would rather take someone who's been playing that pool for three years. Right? I, I do. I do very much agree with you in that regard. Um, assuming that they're, they're sensitive to the environment. Yeah. And what I mean by that is not that they're overly influenced because I don't want the guy who is, 
changing his mind on a dime right based well, off of this like person or that exactly I want somebody who's just like going to be very hard fast and saying like, okay, I know this about these players. I know this about this pool and I exploit very specific to that. I'm going to execute my strategy. And then if it starts to fail, we can discuss and maybe move off of it. Mm -hmm. uh, those, those guys are tough. Mm -hmm. um, I think the most powerful one in all of this, can we read all 14? Uh, the 14th one was just folding good hands on the river is mandatory. Don't okay. fall in love with your top pairs versus three barrels. Here we just pay. So. Right. We just pay here. Uh, Actually, right, yeah. we just pay. This is tournament advice. Okay. Uh, don't call triple barrels in tournaments, but in cash, fuck yeah, these Yeah, definitely guys. don't call rivers in tournaments. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, we talked about this yesterday, but when it comes to just paying, uh, oftentimes it's, it, it's an avoidance of making a larger compounding mistake of a mistake that you already made. Mm -hmm. The reason why you feel like you're beaten whenever you're put into a spot to just pay is probably because you fucked up a street prior. Yeah, like you're too loose on flop or yeah. turn. Yeah, yeah, or you missed a check raise somewhere, yep. you know, whatever the case may be. I actually think, for me personally, the most powerful one out of all this is number two. Statistics don't have a memory. Just because you ran bad for the last few weeks doesn't mean that you will run better. The do theory. Well, it, it's it's also the inverse. Right. It's like, right? yeah. Just because things have been going progress or continually well doesn't necessarily mean a, a that so it'll always mean. go well or b that it's going to stop i feel mm -hmm. like whenever i'm running good i feel worse me too because i'm like oh it's coming yes, yes. yes. <laughs> me too like i'm running so good that means the regression to the mean is going to be so uh, painful that, yes that, this is literally but like then when i'm running bad i'm like well it's never going to end it's right. going to be right. at least when i run good it's going to feel great like right. I almost, oh i think it's I never going to end yeah sometimes it feels like that but but it's i almost feel like it's better than when i'm running good and i feel like it's just coming yeah. <laughs> the ran, other shoe's gonna so, drop i ran so great in 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 uh january like everything just smooth you know mm -hmm. and then february came and it was like like you knew i kind of said i knew like, it was coming too i'm like i'm like well this is not gonna last forever and then boom you just like cooler 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 i know like holy but shit but i almost feel like when you when you expect the regression mm -hmm. to the mean then it's like not it, it can almost make it worse though because once it started here it is yes. and then it's like this whole it, it's a self-fulfilling problem yeah, prophecy. I, I guess now i'm gonna run really bad so, and then it's like you start making like errors because you're expecting right. to run you bad. also forget about neutral you forget mm -hmm. about just like yeah, running, running on even, even. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's either right. like the extremely above yeah. or extremely below right. it's never a lot of times i'm like like if i have a like a very small win i'm like i kind of ran neutral today and i had a small win that's probably about what's supposed to happen right <laughs> right i'm like and, oh it's, yeah. it's coming the well, like <laughs> what i what i what i've been trying to think of is like this running hot and this running bad and all this none of this matters until matter. i can look at a thousand hour sample yeah. and yeah. say okay this is how i'm actually doing yeah that. i agree right with that. so like like i, I just kind of like i'm gonna run really really good and then i'm gonna run really really bad and i don't know how long either one is gonna last but at the end of a thousand hours i should probably have a pretty good idea of my win rate yeah I, I think that that's, that's like a normal guy way of looking at right it. i'm like a, ill so <laughs> yeah. like, oh my god things are going to this is like how i am in normal life it's though. well it's the sword of damocles because it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's you're, you're gonna need is. to elaborate on yeah. that yeah. One, you don't know the sword I'm not, of damocles I'm not a Greek come on god. <laughs> well the, the point is like when you expect something to drop like mm -hmm. like the bad stuff is gonna happen but it doesn't actually exist it yeah. only mm -hmm. exists because you think it exists it's, yeah no so you can't enjoy the present because you're too busy my life it's literally which is why poker is so much of a um 
like an allegory for people's lives and the way they go about their oh, lives. Oh, like, for sure. Oh no, like something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, uh -huh. and you can't actually enjoy the stuff that's happening in the moment because yeah. you're too busy focused. The better I on run, the, 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 the more scared I am that because <laughs> yeah. I know how bad it's gonna be when it goes bad. When it's not know. even gonna be that it would, bad. It might not. Yeah, I might just be fine. You, yeah. you, well, you are just gonna be fine. <laughs> Never runs bad for some people. I'm like, people. oh my god, I, but I do run pretty good, so yeah. I don't know. I, I think that it's also part of like the the callous mind that you begin to develop with the just pay, right? Like when you're running well and you're paying and you're still winning and you're and like you get that reinforcement, then whenever uh, you start to uh, like like things start to turn, you keep running into top of range. And yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. When you're running good and you just pay, they just they're just bluffing. Yeah. Right. When you're running bad, yeah. they just always have it. Uh -huh. Right. So you have something to default back to, and the thing is, is that what what will ultimately happen is you'll go from fully paying to uh, mostly paying to, not to pay. sometimes yeah. paying yeah. to not yeah. paying. Yeah. Right. And, like, and then that it extends your downswing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you allow you miss all these spots, if yeah. you allow it to regress that far, but what actually it, it once you become like pretty callous and you understand just like the inner workings of the game, you generally don't get past the sometimes paying part, right? Mm -hmm. Which is actually a pretty good place to be, especially if you're downswinging, because what it means is that you're being like really considerate of how money gets put into the pot. And when you're winning, there's almost this aspect of winner's tilt yeah. where you don't even consider about how like, many big blinds are about to go in the right. middle. Right. It's like, well, if I'm wrong here, I'm going to like, you yeah, know, whatever. I'm going to make quads this soon anyway. So. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, well, whatever. So this is a 300 big yeah. blind jam yeah. into a 100 big blind pot. We'll run it twice. And right. I'm at least live to my gut shot flush draw here. <laughs> you know, and it's how, like, I've hit a bunch of those lately. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like, whatever. And you kind of aren't that, concerned with uh your strategy because it feels like your strategy is just executing itself yeah and whatever happens happens but as you begin to regress you start to become a lot more critical of the strategy which forces you to be mindful of true. how money goes in that's the the good part about sort of like when you regress you it kind of forces you to hone the, the craft a bit more right or if you're if you're conscientious I mean, you of it should, you probably should be doing that all the time yeah but if you're chicken little <laughs> and you're only worried about the How sky bad is falling. It is. The sky is falling. Yeah, see, he, he knows his nursery rhymes. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's a movie. Well, it is a movie too. But it's, it's, it's a, a nursery movie. rhyme. Uh, I don't know if it's a nursery rhyme or <laughs> it's like a movie, a, man. I know Chicken Little. It was Little. way. Okay, it was something it was way, way before, before a movie. It was a movie. <laughs> Book it. Whether it's a. Uh, it was a nursery rhyme. Well, I don't know if it's a nursery rhyme or like <laughs> no, what it's are those? Like Mother Goose. A fable. <laughs> yeah, it's a fable. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> I'm like, what are those stories called? Yeah. Uh, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a movie? Maybe I don't know, but it was something prior. Be. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I got uh, to know. know. If you're obsessed with like the downswing and that's the the forefront of your focus, then you actually lose sight of your strategy altogether. You lose sight of the areas where you could be more critical, mm -hmm. be more mindful of. You know, you continue to make those early street mistakes that lead to these really difficult late street decisions. Instead of just like, you know, re-examining your entire flop strategy, your C-bet strategy, your calling strategy, whatever, which can prevent a lot of that and, and you know, maybe mitigate the risk uh, as you're kind of getting... Go ahead. What have you learned? Wow. Chicken Little <laughs> is a 1943 short film created by Disney during World War II, directed by Clyde 
the short was based on the European folktale. Uh, folk it's yeah. based on folk a European lore. folktale called Henny Penny, known in the United States as Chicken Little. It's an anti-Nazi film showing the evils oh. of mass hysteria. I didn't know it was about. Oh. That's how it started. Okay. Wow. Oh. It all comes back to political propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. The short was remade into a full-length film in 2005. That's I, the one you know. I will, you were six. Yeah. I, I will say this. <laughs> I don't know how they squeeze 90 minutes out of the Chicken Little fable. There isn't a whole lot of meat on that bone, yeah. you know? It's just a chicken that's afraid that the sky is falling. Sure they, they make just, Humpty they Dumpty into a movie? Mom die or something. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they did make Humpty Dumpty into a movie. Mm -hmm. Chicken Little meets Sword of Damocles. <laughs> I can't live life anymore. The what, sky is what falling. What is the sword? Um, I'm the, that's me, the sword guy. <laughs> sword guy. <laughs> the sword's gonna fall. Yeah. We're gonna die in and here. We're all dying. We're all dying. <laughs> Uh, all right, so this dovetails nicely into the tip of the day that I put up yesterday. I was kind of inspired by the game I was playing. Uh, I showed up yesterday late, got into the second game, playing 100-100. It was mostly regs. Game was okay. Uh, winning small. And These then, emojis, man. I know. You got to, it's man. So, it's it's like, part of it. Facebook boomer. <laughs> what are you talking about? Have you seen the tips of the days on, on Twitter? This is how we roll, baby. I am just <laughs> merely emulating... My environment. I like this quit smoking. The cigarette. So, yeah. uh -huh. <laughs> That's right. You got to quit. You got to know when to quit. Um, so my game broke and they uh, made it 10 handed for me in the main because whale, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and the game was just unbelievable. The average stack, we were playing 100, 200. The average stack was probably like $90,000. There was one person with a half a million, another person so with 300. People are in town for the Super Bowl? Or? Yeah. Yesterday was the last day. Okay. So a lot of action. There was uh, two players with 300K in front of them. Uh, another gentleman to my left who initially had like 150K. And bro, I mean, you've never seen anything like this. In a bomb pot, it came Jack 10, Jack 10, eight, uh, two clubs. Checked all the way to the cutoff, bet 500 into 5K, button calls, hijack, just jams, 72,000. <laughs> On Jack 10, eight? Yeah, Jack 10 ate two clubs. Jam 70, 72,000. Cut off folds, which was me. Uh, Button, this gentleman who has like 150K in front of him, goes, okay, uh, you run it twice? And the guy goes, yeah, I'll run it twice. He goes, okay, I call. <laughs> the person who shoved, queen nine of clubs. Wow. Jack 10 ate two clubs. That's oh, good. Yeah. The gross. guy who called, red, like red nine eight offsuit. Oh, <laughs> oh boy! How many times you want to run this? He didn't win. He didn't get any of no, it. He got none of it. This is a 140k what? pot with just you know a dead hand, just two today. fucking napkins. Uh, my hand was better. I at least had the jack of clubs. Actually, that doesn't matter. I guess <laughs> no, in this it doesn't. Instance, dead, but no. um, anyway, so that was to give you an idea of of how the game was playing. Uh, I had like 180k in front of me. The shortest stack at the table, I think, was like 55,000. Um, so the game was just like unbelievable. We're playing one, two, often the four is on. Uh, there are times when the eight is on. We're playing stand up. Like the game is just outrageous. And it dawned on me like how fortunate I am to finally be in a position where I don't have to send a text. I don't have to uh, feel any sort of pressure in the situation. I have 150,000 in front of me, and if I get stacked, that's okay. There's more in the box. We can reload and we can play. And I don't know that I've ever been in a spot playing where I'm gambling for high stakes and I'm that well rolled. Thanks, Airball. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag thanks, thanks Airball. Nikhil. Thanks, uh, <laughs> Appreciate you, buddy. Um, but yeah, so it dawned on me like how 
much of a fight and stress and tax my entire career has been being in these spots. And, you know, this isn't the biggest stakes that I've had to do this at, right? You made I've, it. I've played upwards of 10x this uh, where same pressure, right? You have 200 big blinds in front of you and playing it all in pot is really scary because you only have two reloads, period. Not like available to you tonight, but maybe for your entirety of being in this your particular life. game, right? Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard fall from grace to go from playing like a 1K, 2K game to then having to saddle up and go play 10, 20, 40 the next day mm -hmm. because you just lost your piece of the stake. Um, and it made me realize that like a lot of people are suffering through this, maybe not to this extreme, where they're playing, uh, you know, nosebleeds, but a lot of people are going to find themselves in a good game that turns into the biggest game of their life. Uh, there's good, and and the thing is, is these are going to be really high EV spots, right? We had people drinking, we had people gambling. Like a guy played a hundred fifty thousand dollar pot with a fucking pair of napkins, <laughs> you know? Like there's a lot of EV to be That's made. So <laughs> but if you can't pull up a chair and actually execute a strategy properly. You're never going to collect that EV. There was a point where uh, we were playing stand-up game and the 16 was on. I limped 10s under the gun. The 9-8 the guy limps behind and it gets open to like 9,000 behind me. And I just jam 120K jam. with 10s. <laughs> because what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? Call you might get called by 9s. <laughs> right? It's just like that's just decent strategy. Hold out jacks. Yeah, well, no. No one's no. fucking folding jack. Not, not based off of who limped yeah. and who raised. Google bro was getting after it last <laughs> night, oh, and bro. he was he certainly did not have any two cards that touched, matched, <laughs> or had the same suit, because otherwise he would have looked at me and said, I like you, I call. We and we would have been off to some sort of race. We got to get Google bro on the pod. He wants to come on the pod. I'm going to have him on. It's going to be great. <laughs> You guys have to meet Maurice. He's, he's fantastic. Everybody um, needs to know who Google Bro is. Yes, I agree. The world needs to know. He's, is he related to Timestamp Bro? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Broverse runs deep. Yeah, the Broverse does run deep. There's a whole multiverse. It, yeah, it, it, mm -hmm. it's a whole, it's a whole uh, Bro University. You know, it's a, a, a Bro fraternity, you know, bro, fraternity if you, you will. You have a Bro panel. <laughs> <laughs> Google Bro, Timestamp Bro. Lando would be head. Dishwasher Bro. Oh, <laughs> get Dishwasher Bro in here because he did Water put, Cooler Bro. Yeah, is that Rudy? No, dishwasher bro's the guy that came to fix fix our dishwasher yeah. and then never put it back in. So now when you pull the door out, it just falls right, out. Right. We have this like really expensive dishwasher that's in uh like a cage or a frame or whatever. And when the when the dishwasher bro came to fix it, like four times, he, he pulled it out. But like when he put it back in, it's clear he didn't do it with like any sort of. He didn't screw it back in. Yeah, whatever. And now yeah. every time you pull out the bottom rack, the whole, <laughs> the the whole thing just tips falls forward. out. <laughs> so it's have ridiculous. we called him back? Wow. Well, yeah, we're gonna get him on a panel to ask what the hell's wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> Why the, like, you come four times and you don't screw the goddamn dishwasher yeah, that's, bro. That's what I <laughs> Come you on, get bro. him on the panel. Get him on the ASAP. panel. ASAP. And, uh. and water jug, bro. He <laughs> comes Mondays. Who literally, yeah, but he ignored us for like a month. Yeah. That's true. Well, actually, I We had I a know, sick pyramid, though. I know what happened there. All of the empty jugs were inside. He called me because he won't replace it unless it's a one-to-one. -one. Uh. Uh, he called me and I just ignored it because I'm like, why is Tahoe Springs calling me? Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> 
And then uh, I realized what okay. happened. We're gonna we, dehydrate in here. We didn't okay, get, so he doesn't have to come. To the panel. It's it's not Tahoe Spring broke guy. Okay. He's off the panel. He's off the panel. Um, You're safe anyway, for now, buddy. Anyway, I realized that like a lot of people probably suffer from this, where you know they're just playing a casual two five game where they don't really know if it's good or not or whatever, and then suddenly the dream of all dreams sits down and they take the cap off because he's a special player and now they're playing two five ten sometimes twenty, and you're in the biggest game. You're not rolled for it. Um, and I, I know that I've personally put myself in this spot hundreds of times throughout my career. LeManna can attest. Mm -hmm. Bankroll on table. <laughs> brought mm -hmm. bro. Case was, money. I'm bro. He, was, he was case money bro. bro. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> Bankroll on table bro. Uh, and mm. it's scary because like for me, I'm, I'm pretty good at disassociating the actual risk just in general <laughs> yes just in general uh but i was always pretty good at disassociating like the actual current risk i was undertaking from uh you know the 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 detriment of what would happen if things went poor <laughs> and and i was able to just like play and execute my strategy and that allowed me to collect the ev that i deserved but it also just put me in harm's way so often like my risk of ruin was always just through the roof and ignoring that is really bad because if you don't have a way to replenish then you are just ruined mm -hmm. uh and it made me realize like there are some tips and tricks that if i could go back to my younger self and advise to do better uh i i would lend him these uh What's the max percentage of his bankroll you would tell him to like 25 i okay, think that's and the way that i phrased it in this in this list i guess is um I said, limit yourself, limit your risk to an amount that is able to be retrieved at your normal stakes. So there's obviously a lot of EV attached to these shorts uh, or, or to these games. And socially frowned upon. And if you if you just limit your buy-ins, like if you don't buy in deep to cover the whale or whatever, but you just keep buying in for 100 big blinds, like yeah, short stacking these spots, it's it's going to be frowned upon by your table mates. But there's a fuck ton of EV when <laughs> people are just game, splashing <laughs> around, you know. And you're only fifty big blinds deep, and you just get to be all in a bunch. I can't get over these couple emojis next to friends. They're amazing, yes. <laughs> you gotta respect the friends. <laughs> they're, they're uh, I like that, you, I like that you, you like you broke Matt Hunt's brain with this post because he he thought just, I was trolling. Well, well, no, because like the tip of the day is you know it's kind of a meme, I mean, and uh, you know you came out with some actually good advice, and he was like, wait, is it? This is, this is supposed to be me. I, this is actually good advice. That's is, is the it a good point. advice? That's the fucking He's point. Blurring the line that, between meme and real. The yeah. thing is, is like that's the biggest point that I've been trying to make since I started the tip of the day. Is that there's a little so, truth in all? No, is that <laughs> you figured it out, B. Yeah, you fucking nailed it. You're one of them. You're who I'm talking to. Is that the, the general audience, audience sees these threads and they have no fucking idea if what they're reading is good advice or not? Why is Connor getting me? No one knows. Uh, I can't believe you didn't just click to him for him uh, <laughs> doing what he did to you in the opening of the show, Guap. What do you mean? He's so my pizza. six pack? That's right. <laughs> Pretzels and pizza. Fat abs. <laughs> Fat. See a nipple. I don't so know. the thing is, is that like when these threads pop up, people read them and they cling to something that like personally resonates with them. They go, yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. But it's really fucking easy to craft a message. Well, it's like play less hands. Right. And then they're like, yeah, yes, it just, I, I'm right. It preys upon <laughs> the things that they're already weak at and mm -hmm. it just solidifies in their minds that they're doing the the necessary things to get better at the game. And that was the whole point of me starting this meme. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with specifically Jonathan or specifically Alec or specifically Ben or anybody else that does these threads. It has everything to do with the culture of these threads and like how harmful they can be 
if somebody isn't out there like spelling it out to the general audience saying like okay i mean i feel like if someone's determined to confirm their biases they will though i i so generally like, agree with that if they they'll just read something that doesn't resonate and be like yeah whatever and then they'll read something that doesn't be like yeah true and then they'll just like keep yeah. like, that's why poker's like it's not just poker obviously well yeah the general media does this too there's a reason this marketing tactic works right like so i think it's not really saving anybody because they're just gonna confirm their biases anyway if they're i think that's true my problem is is profiting off of that i don't like the idea of profiteering off of like people's obvious weaknesses it's almost like social engineering uh a a mass profit train Mm -hmm. based off of the fact of like how predictably uh, easy, uh, how, how predictable it is to easily manipulate people into doing what you want them to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is selling them like some the sort of panacea. That, that sell um, courses on, you know, how to be alpha male. Yes. Precisely. <laughs> it's a great, great example. Yeah, right? Alpha. Like when you just take a fabricated they idea. They just want to hear that. They want to be told yeah. what they want to hear. You just take a fabricated idea that has, is rooted in nothing except for the insecurities of a certain populace. Mm-hmm. And then you say like, oh, I'll sell you uh, the thing that will take that insecurity yeah. away. Right, like to me, that's problematic, and I'm yeah, not even all saying women are whores and join my group so you can learn how to manipulate them. <laughs> I'll show you how to pick up women by negging them. Suck on that gas. <laughs> Suck on this gas, bitch, and join my OnlyFans where I show my cock. <laughs> God, we've taken a hard turn left. Um, all right, but yeah, so like uh, maybe, maybe, maybe there is no place in the poker community for somebody to to call this stuff out and to dissect these threads. But I do feel like the community is small. It's very, very small and small enough where there's only a handful of people that actually have the attention of most. So for that reason, I wanted to do this anyway. All that to say that I do think that there's value in sharing, you know, reasonable advice when you can. And that was kind of the impetus of this is like, okay, I'm going to put out some really funny meme tips of the day. And I'm also going to put out like decent tips of the day and like whatever people take away from them, let them, because that seems to be what we've decided is, uh, apropos, I guess in this space. Um, but with regards to like playing in games that you didn't expect to be so large or whatever the case may be. Uh, the four major things that I wish I had known when I was younger is one, you can just quit. You can quit the game even though it's a high EV spot. And this is something that I think is like totally missed by most, except for people that we would kind of like banish into the knit camp. Like uh, I've had friends. I don't think Lamana really qualifies, but like he's close. <laughs> He's very close. He's, he's, I think he's I edging mean, away from I, that. He's, he's much better now, but there yeah. was a point where this he was like... like the, this is like the inner tortoise, Yes, right? The, 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 inner, really, the inner tortoise voice is very mm-hmm. strong. Like There was a point where he yeah. was like, you know, I don't even want to play 5-10. Like, yeah, 2-5 like, is just my jam. Make a living at 2-5. Why do I want to play against tougher competition? <laughs> right. So... You know, it's like, uh, why do I want to do the thing that's hard that's going to make me better? That's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go read Bensie Beast thread. <laughs> um, but... Like I think I think he was really good at risk management. So for him walking away from a plus EV spot, if if he knew that the peril would be he was out of action or he would have to drop down to one three or whatever the case may be, may have been a lot easier for him. Where for me it was just like fuck it, I don't care. Like this EV spot is way too high right. for me to You're pass on. You're the exact opposite side. Exactly. Right. It's right. like if I can make 10k in this five ten game mm-hmm. and never have to worry about bankroll again at two five, yeah. I'm gonna take that shot. And if I miss, I'll play one three. Yeah. Fine, I don't care. But I think for most, you really need to be good at risk assessment and you need to be able to manage it pretty aggressively. 
and ask yourself like how bad is it if everything goes to shit here Mm -hmm. and if it's bad quit because a lot of times what happens is you're kind of grandfathered into these games it's not a game that you signed up to play Mm -hmm. where you were oh that game's really fucking great and there's a seat i'm gonna sit no it's it's a game that you're sitting in already that's pretty shit Mm -hmm. and something came and changed and Mm -hmm. everything every everybody envies your seat all of a sudden and you Mm -hmm. feel that you feel the pressure to say like people would pay me right now for my seat how could i walk away right yeah, I've seen that happen. Like I, I was at it, seats. and I and I was so in shock that this because it, it was a reg sold his seat for forty dollars to me. Well, there that was <laughs> a different time. But this has happened multiple times. Like where they'll they'll sell their seat for like forty bucks, and mm-hmm. it's like you're like they're professional, and it's like the best table in the world, and they're usually playing these stakes. I, I I was just like in shock. It was win two five, and I think I'm pretty sure it was win two five, and the guy sold the seat for forty bucks to me, and I ended up cashing out like twenty five hundred within like an hour. That, nice. I think that was at MGM, but, oh, the, but was it, it ha- MGM? it's happened multiple. I've seen it happen multiple. Oh, times. it was MGM. You're right because it, it was, was the, the shit rig that's guy, always there. Yeah, and there was it was that old guy yep. who was super drunk. Yep, we were having a ball. That guy was I couldn't believe he left. He plays poker every day of his life. How do you leave that scenario? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I was <laughs> maybe, so shocked. Maybe he had to. You yeah. know, maybe he realized you can't have an edge if you're scared money in the game. Right. You know, I mean, that's, well, that's actually like fair. Try and make it the lowest variance possible. Right. 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 They they prefer to play a game where C-Bet and win uh, yeah. is going to be a consistent theme. Like they want to play a really passive table where yep. everyone's limping. They get to see a flop and then they right. get to take it down on the flop. Right. Like mm-hmm. guaranteed three big blinds per hour. At the while foregoing the risk of what it would take to make eight, right? Yeah. Right, I mean, that, probably even breaking even, yeah. But I think like risk the bankroll management, it's kind of why I sort of disagree when people give like those rules for like you need to have this many buy ins, right? Because everyone's risk tolerance is different and everyone's sure. like replenishability is different. You have to like sort of go internally to like what you're comfortable with. And that's really the takeaway here is everybody should have a risk profile outlined. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be flying blind. Yeah. You should have some sort of understanding of like what your risk propensity is uh, naturally. And then on top of that, what you can actually physically risk without putting yourself in peril. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a really big part of it is just understanding the risk as a whole. And if you can't tolerate this one, just quit the game. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not ideal, but like it's fine. There are better options though, like selling action to your friend to limit your downside. It's nice to share the wealth with your friends. You know, if you're in a massive game where you feel like your win rate just quadrupled, uh, but you need to lay half of it off, that's okay. You can sell half and still your win rate doubled. You know, that's that's totally reasonable. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to take some risk off the table. And this is really critical if you do so because the risk is now inherent to your stack depth, right? So maybe... The amount of money you're into the game for isn't that isn't that big of a deal to you. You know, you're into the game for two or three of your normal buy-ins, whatever, but you've run it up. And now you have like 15 or 18 or 20 buy-ins in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you run the risk of playing like a 5K big blind pot. Sell half. Take a, li- <laughs> take, take a little profits, you know? Mm-hmm. Bitcoin hit 50K, it's okay. Sell yeah. 10%, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, play gamble with your winnings. It's, yeah, it's reach fine. Reach out to your crypto friends. And That's right. <laughs> They'll understand. Um, and then last one is think of your stack in terms of big blinds. Your strategy shouldn't alter just because you have more dollars in front of you. And I think mm-hmm. this is a really critical one where if you can't perform uh, in this sort of strategic way, then again, you should defer back to number one and just quit the game. 
Mm-hmm. Because if you're thinking like, oh my God, I have $6,500 in front of me. The most I've ever played with before was $2,200. This is an astronomical amount of money, but it's 650 big blinds. You've probably played 650 big blinds before, right? right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to uh, distinguish between the two, if you can't differentiate and you're constantly focused on how many dollars are in every pot, how much money is actually in front of you, how much risk you're taking on, you're not in a spot to execute a winning strategy. Also, if you just like feel yourself like tighten up, exactly. and just your mm-hmm. body physically tightens. Like it's a very like it's a very physical sensation Agreed. when you're uncomfortable in a game. And I think like that can be a really good signal of when you need to de-risk. Yeah, I agree. Have have any of you guys run into situations like this in the last year, two years, something like that, where games are just like transformed into a dreamlike state that you could have never imagined whenever you set out to go play that day? Unfortunately, not not yet. Well, you're the wrong venue. Yeah. That's <laughs> all. You're not getting walk-ins at the South Point. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but not to... The, I think... I don't think it's ever made me feel uncomfortable, though, like when it starts to play bigger because I just know how much the upside increased. Right, which means that you're just rolled. Yeah, but yeah. What about when you're playing the Resorts World games? That is like, it doesn't transform. It starts like that. Okay, so that's a little bit different. <laughs> and honestly, it's just like, you need so much money because there's the double board bomb pots every 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's the bounty hand. There's stand-up game. So it's just all, it just gets so insane. But that's like, that game is when I've felt like that because it, you're playing with people who have like 40K on the table. Right. Mm-hmm. I, it, it actually, it's funny because um, this actually did happen like, like very recently where, um, where I was playing the 2-3 uh, the game and um, I went to the bathroom, come back and they're like, well, we're just going to put the straddle on. We're going to do a round of straddles. I was like, and like it was my straddle, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, you know, put, put it on. Nobody get, else puts it on. I, I get stacked that hand. <laughs> I get, I get, I get ace king, and I run into into kings. Right. But whatever. But like, so then I reload, and I'm just like, okay, well, this is now just like a hundred big blind game, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's going to be a volatile, volatile game, and um, like, it was funny to see the people clam up. Yep. You could you could see, and it was just like, oh, this is like a good spot for me because like I understand what I'm doing with 100 big blinds. I understand it. Like I've played in two five games before. Like this maybe now this is too big for some people, mm-hmm. and some people actually did just rack up and leave. Right, right. right? Some people racked up and leave. Lives a, a lot of other people that were playing crazy now all of a sudden tightened up, mm-hmm. and so like the environment changed. Like it's not just for you you should be aware of the how the environment changes That's for true everybody too. else yeah. at the table. That's true too. And mm-hmm. oftentimes some of these dream scenarios will present in a way where everybody else gets so tight in the ass that you get Your the lion's share. The mm-hmm. Yeah, you get the lion's share of the guy providing all the action. Yeah. What were you going to say, Landon? Well, I mean, this, this happened to me two years ago when I first came out to Bobby's with oh, the whole yeah. Lana situation. <laughs> Lana wrecked you. Yeah, this is why I got sent <laughs> to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> like I was going to Bobby's or Bellagio to play uh, 5'10 or 10'20. Like... I was playing 2040 for a while, but it wasn't going too well. So I was like, okay, just don't play 2040. Okay, cool, no problem. And then Lana comes in. Uh, I was playing 1020 at the time. She then wants to play 102040. Starts putting on the 80. Mm -hmm. And then people start leaving because they don't want to play that game. Yeah. So now it's three-handed and starts to slowly fill up. So it's me, Abreg, and and her. And then it ends up getting seven-handed where people kind of fill in. And I have like... 
20k on the table at this time and it's like hey like you're not supposed to play 2040 but at the time it's like i don't really know what to do and nobody else is awake at the moment like i was talking with the people that had action and they fell asleep so now they said don't play this game this game is clearly a spot that would be an exception because someone that doesn't exist in the environment has come in um so i talked with christian who was there at the time he's like i think it's fine you should just play and then deal with whatever happens after the fact. So I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, end up playing a 40K pot with Kings and a four bet pot versus six, five off on <laughs> seven, six, Good spot. seven, six, three and ran once just like just yeah. dr- drills off. The, nice to play with stolen money. Isn't drills it? off a straight. <laughs> and then like, I'm just stuck 40K when I wasn't even supposed to be playing this game or something along those mm-hmm. lines. And then it's 7am and then, uh, friend wakes up he's like what what the fuck happened like we said we, you couldn't play that game yeah and then back and forth happens chewy becomes like the peacemaker and says if we knew that we were going to play a 40k pot with kings versus six five off i think we're okay with this action yeah yeah and then uh it just fucking sucks because in that spot like i want to do what's right for the people that have action mm-hmm. but also if they knew about the spot they'd be okay with it at the same time i just lost 20k so how okay are they going to really be with it mm-hmm. it's it's the it's the big thing is that nobody got to manage the risk we're all happy everybody involved yourself the investors everybody is happy with the spot but nobody actually got to mitigate the risk like well that's the thing with the resort world game i always had a max exposure right so i knew that there was a max that i and the people buying my action could lose so I, but it's still not comfy because I didn't really have enough reloads. Like that's a game right. you need a lot of reloads. Yeah, exactly. And it's like in that situation that Landon just described, it's like, well, maybe the collective would prefer that you have five 4K buy-ins <laughs> mm-hmm. over one right. 20K buy-in, yeah. right? And just put yourself at max volatility versus this whale. Uh, and th- when that stuff is never discussed or in the uh, instance that we're like speaking to the audience here, when you never think about those things ahead of time, you really get caught off guard and you find yourself in a scenario where it's like for Landon, you know, he just kind of ran bad and and ran himself into a spot. But for a lot of other people, they'll just find themselves in a situation where they're gambling with way too much money, way too much risk. And now they're playing pretty poorly because of it. And it's easy to get swept up in the action. Exactly. And those are the games with the most action. Precisely. So you get swept up really easily. I I do think that that's uh, a thing that a lot of people just forget about is that at the end of the day, Poker is still uh, an arena that you can gamble and you can gamble pretty hard. Uh, And when these environments present themselves to you, it becomes very, very easy to be the guy who is no longer playing strategically correct, Mm -hmm. but instead the guy who's just like in there. I'm not going to lie. The first couple games I played a bounty hand, like I went off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just popped off. You popped the boat and got paid. Yeah, when you're suddenly just like, no, oh. I just I didn't have anything. I had the bounty hand. I was trying yeah, to win the bounty. Yeah. You're crazy. Yeah, and you I just, was just getting called. You just, <laughs> you know, you take a hard look in the mirror. All of a sudden, you're just like, so I'm the whale. I'm the whale. <laughs> <laughs> what happened, Moby Dick? Mm-hmm. How did this Why happen? Why do they love me here? <laughs> Man, everyone's so nice to me. They're buying me dinner. <laughs> Shit. Uh, all right. Well, that segues nicely into uh, our take a beat segment that we can wrap on. Let's take a beat. All right. I want to take a beat today and discuss when a dream game can turn into a nightmare. We've all been there. It's late. We're stuck small. 
And we've all been given a hope that this knit fest of a 2-5 game will see a pot over $500 before we die of boredom. <laughs> As we contemplate the pros and cons of staying versus racking up and enjoying a night alone Netflixing chilling, yeah. a man in a cowboy hat stumbles his way over. And he spills what looks like a few thousand dollars of black chips into the empty seat nine. The dealer informs him it's a 1K cap. But as he attempts to protest between the slurs, we assure him that it's fine. And we'll change the game to 5-10-20. Or sorry, 2-5-10. Uncapped, just to oblige his gambling desires. Very quickly, the action picks up. The nits are limping, attempting to trap our newfound wounded duck. But he's cagey. He's mixing in limps along with 15 X's, both of which are bringing differing levels of discomfort to everyone. Blinded by dollar signs in our eyes, we see way too much opportunity to be afraid of what's to come next. Jumping in the mix, we quickly find ourselves in a spot where we're holding pocket tens and the maniac has just three bet us to 30 big blinds. Our greed drove us to cover him in order to maximize the EV of this unicorn spot. And suddenly that feels like a tremendous error. We're over 500 big blinds effective and all options feel pretty bad. So we default back to our nature and we call. An innocuous jack high disconnected board feels pretty safe. Unfortunately, our cowboy only bets pot, stemming what we can only assume comes from his years of degenning in the PLO underground games in Texas. We're way too high up here. The solver wouldn't allow it. We can't fold yet. The turn pairs bottom pair, and to our relief, it goes check, check. Now the river, as it always does in these spots, that mean the absolute most to us in these scenarios where we're way too at risk, comes the ace of spades. We check, and we're at the mercy of the impulses of a man who can barely see straight. <laughs> but still, even he knows that this is a good bluff card. All in. The pain of investing nearly 100 big blinds into what now feels like the abyss stings so painfully as we muck our hand in frustration. That sting, however, is minor compared to the rage and fury that fills our body as five high gets windmilled in our faces <laughs> and the entire table shares in the celebratory dance on our grave. Everything thereafter becomes a blur. We raise call, check call, check call, Check, check, lose. Check, call, check, call, check, fold, lose. There won't be a showdown for the rest of the night that we aren't involved in. Suddenly, everything suited feels like it's worth seeing three. Every pot is now five ways, and we're in there with suited shit, praying to the gods that we finally flop something and punish the son of a bitch that's reduced us down to this brainless degen <laughs> that's more interested in winning a game of bingo than actually playing real poker. Eventually, we get our wish. We finally flop a set and our first huge check raise since we were... Sorry. Our first huge check raise since before we were blinded with greed and gamble. The turn is a meaningless gut shot and we continue to charge the vulture that swarmed to the left of our guest and has quietly collected all of the money that we've lost to him. He calls. The river's clean. Finally. This pot... This pot's going to get us back to even and back to a state of mind that can actually act with logic and reason. Much like the morning after a really regretful night out in college. Nope, skipped ahead, sorry. 
All in. The vulture snaps, quickly tabling the nuts and putting us out of our misery. Much like the morning after a really regretful night out in college, we slink away from the table and do the walk of shame home, only to replay the horror that was supposed to be our big break. Every gambler here has gotten swept up in the action. We've turned a dream spot into a nightmare. We all take our eye off the ball from time to time, and in this industry, it can lead to catastrophic outcomes. Remember what we're playing for, and the foundations of how to execute on the plan of extracting a sucker from, from his money. But most importantly, when retelling this story of self-harm and utter destruction, be sure to get the details straight. As a coach and a fellow D-Gen, I know you're lying. To yourself, to your friends, and to anybody who will listen. This level of cope doesn't change a 2 to a 10, and it won't bring back the 10 buy-ins that you've dusted off at this now larger game with the Drunken Cowboy. You're in a safe place here. You're in the muck. Tell us where it all went wrong. That's going to do it for us today. We'll be back at noon tomorrow for a very special Valentine's Day episode. We'll see you guys all then. Peace.